Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. Again to American Tennis this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and we are narrowing in on the start of our sixth year. Next week will be the first show of our sixth year. It has now been five years that we have been on American Tennis, and uh, thank you to the UR Tennis Network, Jason Haynes, and now the Yellow Ball Network, Coach J.P. Weber, and thanks for all you do with the, the programming. Thanks, John Denise, for the work you continue uh, to do with your Yellow Ball Network program as well down there in, in, in Florida. Folks, I'm Coach Chuck Creasy. My website is www.chuckcreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-E, chuckcreasy.net. And I've got all the programs. I update them every week on the uh, from the previous previous week so you can go back and listen to just about every one of the shows i try to give a sort of good highlight about what the program is about and you can just go back and look and and sort of see if you're interested in listening to to some of the back programs i often talk about similar topics in a different context and uh try to stay on top of the tennis news we've got the french open starting by the way right now the ncaa tournament just wound up uh, this last week, just a couple days ago. I wanted to congratulate, well, Brian Boland, good job once again at University of Virginia. And uh, for all you're doing now, Brian Boland's moving on to the USDA in a uh, leadership position there, and I'm sure he will be successful. And um, Brian is one of those guys that's just going to be successful wherever he goes. I special, special congratulations to my dear friend for many, many years, Sam Paul, University of North Carolina, and I think probably one of the best coaching jobs uh, I've seen recently. And, uh, look, Sam Paul has been in this coaching profession nearly 40 years, I think. I I don't know. He's he's getting up there. If If you look at it, 
Sam started uh, coaching. Dang, I, I knew Sam when he was in college, and he grew up in South Carolina, Lancaster, South Carolina. Sam went on to uh, Anderson College, Presbyterian College, went on to uh, be an assistant coach, I think, University of Richmond. I think he went to University of South Carolina as an assistant, uh, University of North Carolina as an assistant, and now the head coach for 20-some years. And, you know, I've watched Sam. I've competed against him, and we have watched uh, the Tar Heels. Tar Heels, we were not – we were not in love with the Tar Heels when I was at Clemson. That's just the way it was. However, I always, always, always respected the tough matches, the clean matches, the hard-fought matches, and, boy, we had some epics. We really had some epics when Clemson used to play the Tar Heels. Always clean, always above board, always doing the right things, always good level of sportsmanship. And how could I – say anything uh, but great things about Coach Sam Paul and the perseverance. My father used to say, you got to get to know Percy. Perseverance. My dad used to have the corny one-liners. And uh, the bottom line on the thing, the perseverance Sam Paul has shown in this year, he and uh, um, dang, I, what, what can I say? Probably the national coach of the year for sure. Trip Phillips also a wonderful, wonderful job there, and what a great competitor he was in college and on the pro tour, and uh, runner-up heartbreaker to University of Virginia, but it's pretty fun seeing the ACC teams doing so well. Uh, University of North Carolina, um, Virginia, and then also Wake Forest is coming on. Watch out for those Clemson Tigers, folks. They will be making a comeback here. They're they're on the right path, but we've got a lot of a lot of great teams there in the ACC. Congratulations to Sam Paul. Percy Verence does it for that guy, and that program's probably going to continue on for years and years. What a wonderful job he's done. And uh, not to take away from Brian Boland's job, but uh, Sam, I've seen him do it with blood, sweat, and a lot of tears at times from the heartbreaks, but uh, just class act in every way. Folks, I'm uh, Coach Chuck Creasy. I want to talk today um, a little bit. Uh, my, my topic is it's got to mean something to mean anything. Now, let me sort of talk to you about last night. I, um, nah, I didn't get in a tussle over this with my wife, but um, as I've told you before, my, my son plays Baseball, he's crazy about baseball, and he does his travel ball stuff, as you know about. And he, he's doing the, the Little League. Um, actually, it's the Dixie Youth League, and uh, they call it, but they call it rec ball, rec ball. And so our team last night had a scrimmage, or his team, I'm coaching, and had a scrimmage, and we had three or four kids really into it, three or four kids not doing so well. And uh, tell you the truth, you know, maybe um, they were just drifting and out. They didn't think it was so important. And uh, I got, I sort of gave them a talk afterwards about not ever being cafeteria competitors. A cafeteria competitor is somebody that picks and chooses when they want to compete. And, you know, the comment, of course, well, it was a practice game, wasn't it? Well, yeah. But practice game still a game, and guess what? 
you should be putting twice as much pressure on yourself as practice than you do on game day. The practices should be really, really hard, and the game days are really, really fun if you're prepared. I will prepare, and then my chance will come. An old uh, Johnny Wooden quote, perhaps my chance will come. And here's the point. Um, I mean, if you think about it, and then my wife, I get home, she says, oh, it's just a rec league game. And I said, well, where do you think the habits are formed? Where do you start deciding I'm going to try enough to where it matters? When does it matter? And and I, I think about the parallel that we have in our participation tennis events and the participation no-cut high school programs where everybody gets to play and everybody gets a certificate or an award and everybody is made to have that kumbaya, we're all winners feeling. And I, and I, and I started thinking about it, and I really wanted to just uh, – our show's going to be a little shorter today, but I wanted to hone in on the fact that, folks, it's got to mean something to ever mean something. It's, it really, really has to mean something. Now, the quote, uh, love, is a, is a, a Mott's Wielander quote that says, it's not the quantity of your pain, it's the quality of your pain that matters. The quality of your pain that matters. And so uh, I want to make this point, and then I want to go to a simple, simple fundamentals that, that you can follow and sort of give a gut check or a checklist or whatever to where you are with, with I don't, your job, your, your tennis, your, your children, your children's tennis, uh, your children's sports. But it's got to really mean something to mean something. Now, how, how much does that, what are we talking about? And you right away, some of you are out there cringing, well, isn't it supposed to be fun? Well, you know, I mean, goofing around fun is not – look, look, whenever you're in a contest, you should be trying to win, shouldn't you, if it's a ping-pong game? I mean, if you're pitching pennies, if it's a pickup basketball game, when we're playing around the world in horse and I'm playing with my son, I'm not going to let him win. We're trying to win. <laughs> now, I abbreviate the game. I change the game a little bit. i got to go around the world back, and he's just got to go around the world. But I'm trying to win. And, and you know, it's, it's okay. It's, the competition is fun. And seeing him trying to beat me is fun. So, you know, this, this slapstick, oh, it's got to be fun. I, I think we're missing the whole boat. And that's why we as Americans are shooting smack dab in the heart of mediocrity with what we're going after. And it's not going to change until we get it back in, in, uh, in place. So my wife was going, uh, well, it's just rec ball. I said, well, okay, whoa, 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 Let, let's think. Okay, it's just rec ball. Oh, oh, sorry. Well, next, next year, oh, it's just local travel ball. Uh, uh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know what? It's only JV ball. Oh, oh, you know what? It's only high school ball. You all see where I'm going with this? Oh, 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 I don't, uh, you know, I'm a cafeteria competitor today. I didn't lock in my heart into this, doing all that I could do to be 
be all that I could be? Oh, it, oh it's, you know, it's just college. Oh, it's only college ball. Wait a minute, it's not major. Wait, well, it's only minor league ball. It's only a preseason game. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Look, folks, if it's important to you, it's important. And look, as a coach, do you think, I pointed out my assistant coach, uh, the guy gives 100% of 100% every minute he's with the youngsters. And I think the parents who watch him work are really, the guy's intense. He makes me look like a little puppy dog. But the point is, I think the parents look and they say, wow, this guy's getting a lot out of my kid. He does it fair, he does it square, but he is on the kids nonstop to give their best, to give more, to do everything they can be. He not once goes, oh, it's only rec ball. Oh, it's only 11-year-old baseball. So, you know, sizing up ahead of time when I should try or when I shouldn't try is about the worst possible thing we could do for our children to ever, ever seek excellence. And, and I, I, I'll give you a couple examples here for the um, um, how messed up you get sometimes. So uh, um, you're, uh, there's one thing I always tell my team is you're always taking a job interview, no matter where you're at. Somebody's watching you. And somebody, if somebody is watching you, your effort, your heart, and, if, and, and listen, you young people listening, if a coach ever sees you tank it, I don't care if it's a rec ball or whatever, you know, if you're practicing and, and you're just practicing going through the motions and semi-tanking things, a coach isn't going to want anything to do with you. But I, I got a couple stories to tell you how you can get fooled if you think you can pick and choose and be a cafeteria competitor and just pick and choose. So I have a good friend uh, who was, uh, I met him in about 1970, 72, 73. And, um, uh, you know, and we were working together. And he says, I'm teaching tennis now. My career is about done. And I'm teaching tennis. But I, I made the biggest mistake I could have ever made. Now, he sized this up. He didn't call himself a cafeteria competitor. But he says, you know, I came over from my country, and my my he was, he was from South America, and he said, I came over from South America, and I was sent up here to play this tournament, and I was going to play two or three tournaments, and it was a big deal, and I eventually got to stay over here, and I did get a college scholarship. But let me tell you how big of a dummy I was. So I'm playing this match, and I'm semi-trying. I'm sort of not really into it. And he said, I don't really know why. He said, I think I was just afraid of the opportunity. I wasn't afraid of failing so much. I was really a little bit afraid of succeeding because of new responsibilities that it could bring or this or that. And, uh, you know, he says, you size up how much how much effort for how much gain, um, how much pay, price that you want to pay and what the pain is involved for the payoff. He said afterwards, he said, I came off the court and this old man walked up to me and uh, basically said to me, son, he says, you, you need to dig a little bit down deeper, but uh, 
you know, and he said, I sort of was taken back by that. He said, you've got to sort of dig down a little bit deeper. And then he said, um, and son, you know, that backhand, can I show you something on that backhand, you know, uh, that you're really not. And, and my friend said, he goes, he was sort of mad. And he said, hey, old man, what are you talking about? He says, I, I like my backhand. Everybody says it's just fine. And he said they went into the locker room. And he says, the next day, that old man was there giving the talk to the whole tournament, and it was Harry Hopman, the greatest coach in the history of the world, <laughs> 20 Davis Cup titles. But he was dressed in just regular clothes, and he didn't know he was. And I came off, I said the wrong thing, the wrong person. And, yeah, I was a cafeteria competitor that day. And he wanted to bring up my uh, my backhand, and it was a diamond he could have given me or would have given me. And I, what a fool. What a fool I was because I just didn't know. But I'd sort of sized up how much I wanted to try that day. And he says, he says, I never, ever want to, want to do that again. I, I never, ever want to just try to size things up. I decide to try now at practice. I try on an easy job at work. I try on a hard job at work. But I give my best to give my best every day. So sizing things up really, really can, can hurt you. And uh, we all think we're sort of experts now because we look at the Internet and we think we know what the standard is. And um, there is a great uh, audio out by Coach Dabo Sweeney, who's the football coach of the Clemson Tigers, and I just sent it out to my team. And it uh, had some very, very simple truisms uh, about – now, this was five years ago before he was uh, literally one of the best coaches in the country. He was one of the best coaches in the country in making. But one of the things he said is he said, bloom where you are planted and always remember somebody's watching you. Wherever you are, take everything you have, your whole heart with you. And, but remember somebody is watching you. Somebody is watching you. So it's it's when should you start trying? You should try you should try in everything you look. I can remember how I learned to try hard as an adult was when I was a kid in the playground playing basketball. I still remember this game. There's a guy named Pinky. What was it, McMahon? Pinky McMahon. I can't I can't remember, but he was a local guy and he used to rub it in. He was an older guy kid that we played ball with and he would rub it in and boy if I was older I, I could have maybe taken that kid on. Bottom line is I remember still still the competitive juices running and learning to run when I play my buddy in any kind of baseball game or basketball game or tennis match you know you want to win but you want to win fair and square you want to do the right things to do so don't size it up. Don't ever size up that I need to try now hard and, hey, it's only a rec game, and, hey, let's just have fun first. Winning is trying to win is really, really fun. And if you lose, you'll be strong enough to handle it. And if you lose, you'll get over the pain and you get stronger. But if you just go out and say your objective is, oh, let's just have fun and goof around, nothing good happens. It's got to mean something to mean anything at all. We really are cutting our kids short. Um, I have a very uh, – I've coached 
some very, very good competitors, but let me give you the sort of the prescription here or the framework of what you tell your youngsters. Um, you tell them that really there's only three, three motivating <clears throat> things or three, the three P's, I call them the three P's, and they are peers, pain, and pleasure. Peers, pain, and pleasure. These are the three motivating tools for any competitor, any tennis player. So, of course, the peers part, we all know that, uh, that if you want to be a good competitor, you hang around with good people, and you hang around with the kind of people that bring the best out of you. I can't tell you how many times I've said to uh, young people, it's who you become when you're with someone. Oh, my gosh, when my my players have gotten older and they start dating and things, I said, do you like the person you become when you're with this person? Do you like who you become? It's not how much you like. It's do you like who you become? Does this person help you make you a better person? And it's it's not a pedigree shopping situation. And I've been with so many ter- tennis parents that they pedigree shop and the kids pedigree shop. In other words, they will try to hang around with the highest ranked kid or they'll try to go to just only the best school because, and look, that's all good. I'm not trying to say that's not good. But the point is, is you've got to bloom where you are planted. And yes, if you're around the influence of high achievers, you're going to want to be more of a high achiever. But if you are in an arena where you're trying to just, uh, breathe air, occupy space, and hang out, be a hanger-outer and a pretender in an arena that without doing uh, your own, uh, without sweating your own bullets and without doing your own work, uh, nothing good can happen. But the peers present that immediate feedback one way or another. I think uh, having your youngsters around the right people it has nothing to do with socioeconomic stuff it, it, you know there might be some correlations between income or the, the the whatever somebody has but most of the time what do you want with your children you want good values hard work you want those things that are true and that are good and that you'll be proud of one day and it's who you become when you're with someone so peers are the first thing, and your peer group, you've got to change it. They say if, if things are not going well, change your playmate, change your play boxes, and get the heck out of there if the people are the wrong people to be around. And it, it does not mean those kind of people have shallow uh, needs and where you try to just look good by hanging out and being part of the group. But the pain and pleasure, first of all, listen, uh, go back – oh, several years, 20, 30 years ago, and there was a guy, Anthony Robbins. He's probably still out there, but he had a thing called personal power, and I got this years ago from um, listening to those tapes and, and reading his some of his stuff. But he gets all of the credit for this pain and pleasure, you know, reward and punishment, stick in the carrot. The overriding thing that he said is that pain is a much more powerful motivator than reward. Pain is the thing that moves us. 
If we're hungry, we're going to find a way to eat. If we don't like losing, we're going to learn how to win. If we don't like the result, if we don't like our salary, probably going to go get a better job. But once you're content and there is no pain, you will be comfortable and you will pretty much stay where you're at. I always tell team members that you only win to the level that you cannot stand losing down to. Anybody that's ever been a great player will say the most important quality is their disdain for losing, is that they hate losing. Now, listen, they hate it, but they're not afraid of it, especially nowadays. And I want to talk, I want to go into depth about talking about how kids nowadays are not afraid enough of losing. And then the third thing is peers' pain and then reward. The reward has to be part of the deal. The best athlete hates losing and loves winning. That's called the championship athlete. The roller, the um, ratchet athlete is the one that hates losing and works like crazy but cannot pat themselves on the back when good things happen. And therefore, they a lot of times will not run with the ball when they're in the open field. When good things start happening, they get uncomfortable. It's very important for you to have a good, clean reward and an accurate reward and to feel good about your successes. Um, then the, the roller coaster athlete is the modern-day athlete. They might like winning, but they don't hate losing enough, so you get great results and bad results. They're all over the place. And then the burnout athlete, forget it if they don't hate losing and they don't enjoy winning. So that's how I use the Anthony Robbins pain and pleasure thing. But it's the three P's, the peers, pain and pleasure. All right, I want to talk about um, <clears throat> about not hating losing right now. So uh, Noah, very, very top tennis player, excellent. Uh, just defied all records and did really, really well, uh, eighth grade freshman in high school level. Then started uh, really doing wrong things hanging out with the wrong people, sort of self-sabotaging, not working hard enough, and sort of just, it, instead of really, really, when the, when the, you look at the person's talent, you say, wow, what God-given talent. You look at the opportunities that are given to him, you're saying, whoa, plenty of good opportunities there. Then you're looking at the desire in the person, whoa, wait a minute, they're pulling the plug. They used to be on fire, and now they have no desire. Wow, what's happening here? And I've been through the ability, desire, opportunity, ability, opportunity, desire part many times. The ability is God-given ability, opportunities by parents, coaches, teachers. The desires is the heart. And I've given you the number 23 to uh, 23 to 25. If you go on a scale of 1 to 10 on those three, like if you have an 8, 8, 8, that's 24, you're probably going to do really, really well. 25, you're going to go to the moon. Most of the time, kids who, let's say, they have, uh, as far as ability, a six or a seven, maybe their desire is a nine, but their opportunities aren't enough. They're 21, 22. That's not good enough. Anyhow, that's just sort of a rehash of something I've done many times on this program. But the bottom line is, as I was talking to the parents, they're trying to figure out what in the world's going on. I said, look, and this is important. Parents, listen up. You youngsters, listen up. 
our young people in this generation do not fear or hate losing enough, if at all. Now, this is propped up because think, when our kids lose, did you have fun, honey? Wait wait a minute, it's only a rec game. Oh, wait a minute, here is your participation trophy. Oh, we're giving you a social promotion. That was a pass-fail. Oh, I know that you didn't work and earn enough money at that job you had during high school. We're buying you a new car anyway. Wait a minute. You don't get punished nowadays for wrongdoing. There is no guilt over what you have done. There is no shame over doing the wrong thing. Oh, our child was in high school and they were out drinking and they came home. Well, maybe they'll learn their lesson and not do it anymore by us getting a counselor and just talking about it. We can talk through this. And usually, well, wait a minute, their grades are bad, but you know what? That coach or that, that, that teacher is not doing a good enough job with them. And by the way, they're so busy right now. They are so absolutely busy. that, And there are no consequences anymore, folks, for doing bad, for losing. We have a no-cut program in tennis. Folks. What are we doing? We are not allowing our kids to feel any pain whatsoever for goofing up and not doing well. We don't punish them. We don't cut them off the team. We, we give them rewards. We give them the participation trophies. And what the world are we doing this for? Try to make them feel good. So we have consequent, they have consequence blockers everywhere in their lives. So the pain is not there. So I told uh, parents, I said, look, I said, he's not, he's not afraid. He's not afraid of losing because there's no pain in losing. And look how much he's already got. What he really, the kids are afraid now, folks. They're afraid of winning. They're afraid of reward and the, the, the peers' pain and pleasure. They are afraid of going out and carrying the respect responsibility, the responsibility of achievement. And every one of your children, every one of my children, every one of our children in the United States know well and good that with more achievement is going to come more expectations. And with more expectations might come more pressure. And guess what? With all of the success you may have, The rewards really aren't that much better than I'd get if I'd lost. I mean, come on. If you're a college athlete, it's the last luxury liner in America. It's the best thing going. You get free travel, free food, free housing. You get free equipment. You get free coaching. You get free this, free that, free, free, free. Wow, you know, I heard a great quote last week. The only Free cheese in the world comes in a mousetrap. Pretty darn good quote. I heard it from the mother of a young tennis player. There is no free something. There's consequences to be paid eventually. And uh, the consequences in our culture is that mediocrity is setting in. It's got to mean something to mean anything at all. It's got to hurt 
if you don't achieve it. The pain is the teacher. The pain is not the enemy. Pain is how we gain ground in life. Pain is the learning tool. And we all hate it. We hate emotional pain much more than physical pain, believe me. But through sports, you get emotional pain and you get physical pain, both. And if you allow our children to get this, they'll learn a great thing. So we've got to ramp up the pain or <laughs> – wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. Don't, don't, look, look, let's get this right. We're not talking about being some kind of sadist or, you know, being cruel, but we've got to allow there to be painful consequences to not succeeding once again. And, uh, look, everything's relative. You don't have to be really tough on people if they lose and make them go run or something or – you know, I always encourage kids after they lose, go run. I said, turn bad pain into good pain. If it hurts a lot, go run it out. That's a great thing. Go to the backboard. Get that backhand right. If you don't like the way you hit your backhand, hit it on the back toward to your hands, please. Get it right. And we might be turning out some more players if it bothered kids more to lose. It's got to bother them. And uh, we've got to build rivalries. We've got to do things where it's important to kids. Kids have not changed. We have changed all the boundaries of the consequences, and we don't. We've got to allow kids to feel responsible a little bit more for their actions, good and bad. Now, listen, reward. I believe that we have so many cubic zirconiums and rhinestones out there that none of the kids know what diamonds really are. We have got to separate separate real rewards from the fake rewards. It is <laughs> – my son plays baseball. Do you know, folks, that he has already won two championship gold rings? Rings – now, wait a minute, he's 11. 11 and under tournaments. They're giving the kids rings. They've got two gold and two silver rings already. He's 11. Rings used to be a big deal, and these things are grotesque. They are really, really big, and they've got all these rhinestones on them and everything. Yeah, look, it's okay. But what are they supposed to do, adorn their trophy cases? <laughs> Championship 11 and under baseball. It, 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 this is absurd, and uh, it, it just is ridiculous. We're giving kids ribbons for being hard triers. Uh, I've got a whole jar of stuff, USPA sportsmanship pins that you're supposed to give kids for being the happiest losers when they lose. Let's give you a sportsmanship. Oh, you're really not a loser. No, you lost this game, and you're not a loser, but you lost this game, and it should hurt. Because we have all these prop-up rhinestones and these all of this stuff, real, real merit doesn't even matter anymore. We prop our intermediate wins up on Facebook. We make everybody look like a hero, and it's basically the packaging. But if you package stuff that's average, even if you package it to look great, it's still just average stuff. So we have really conditional excellence and uh, real – look, it, it, it really is guiding us uh, to a level of mediocrity in this country where nobody really, really knows what excellence is anymore. 
really uh, is not. I mean, if you go in any young child's home, it looks like they have already been to Wimbledon and played and won a bunch of trophies already. It's it's really just uh, something. But um, I'd, I'd recommend don't allow your kids to take uh, to, uh, best hard trier trophies or don't let them take participation trophies. Don't let them get stuff that they haven't haven't worked for. The peers pain and pleasure thing, if used properly, I think those are the most important things that there is. Look, you know how I feel about participation. Participation does not breed excellence. Excellence breeds participation over and over and over again at will. And doing it the right way and having great integrity and sportsmanship and honor. And guess what? If you should win, let it be by the code with your honor held high. And if you lose, have the courage to stand on the road, side of the road, and cheer as the winners go by. The Newt Rockney prayer. You know, that's, uh, that's what it is about, to, to, to do those things. So pain must be the quality. Rewards must be acknowledged with the right degree of, of, of excellence. Uh, when you see an Eagle Scout, that's that's a big deal, folks. That's a big deal. They, that's much better than being uh, the the Little League champion or something. You see an Eagle Scout, somebody who, uh, you know, the, the quality of integrity that, that gets no rewards, uh, the work ethic, all these things that we learn only will happen if our youngsters get the right the right stimulus uh, for their successes and, and for their failures. And uh, to all of you, if, uh, if it means something, it's going to mean something. And uh, we've got to get away from the participation mentality. USTA, first time I've mentioned your name here, but we've got to get away from participation trying to breed excellence. If you want a great band or many great bands, you make a great orchestra and you cut people and you make it really, really hard to get in it. And you will have bands that are tremendous. But if you don't go after that great orchestra, you can't, you can't do it by making bands. You, you've, got, you've got to train the, the excellence at a high, high level, whether it's tennis or baseball or academics or anything. We're going after the violin uh, virtuoso, the, the first chair people, and guess what? The fifth chair people move down to the band and win championships there. That means something. Remember, excellence will breed participation. Participation will not breed excellence. And Folks, I'm almost out of time. Last thing, I got about two minutes here. Look, um, went down to the NCAA tournament once again. The tragedy, and let's push this forward. You know, I've got that handout. Look for my handout out there this summer about the ten reasons we need to honor the scoring system we have. 143 years, ability to group points. Kids don't learn war zones. Physical fitness is taken out of the game. All these things. But the biggest thing, this is I think that will change minds. Game point is worth eight points. It's an eight-point swing. All you got to do is look at the 4-4 game. 
4-4 game. If you win that, the other you have to only win four. The other person now has to win 12. It's an eight-point swing. Look at the 4-2 game. If you win that and you're behind, you only need four points to tie it up, or you need 12 points if you don't win that point. First point of the match, or first game of the match, if you win the first game of the match, and you, the other person has to now win eight points to get ahead the one game they would have gotten ahead. So consequently, tennis is a game of simultaneous offense and defense. Tennis is a game where when you lose a point, the other person wins. It's double jeopardy. It's a game of double jeopardy. Could you imagine playing basketball where if you miss the basket, the other team gets two points? Well, let's go a little further. Maybe every... 10 minutes or seven or eight minutes when there's a period where if you miss the shot, they get eight or you get eight for making it. That's what we're doing with no ad scoring. Let's go there with this folks. Let's battle this parents stand up, speak out. Let's dump this. No ad scoring is going to kill our kids. And folks, I'm out of time. This coach, Chuck Creasy, I want you to remember that if it's got, it's got to mean something you know, in order to mean anything in the long run. And uh, I want to in America. of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. It has nothing to do with participation trophies. Make it count for something. Let's go after it. Make American tennis great again. I'll see you next week. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.